Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, along with my <laughs> main man Kevin. Say hey Kevin. Hey Kevin. And my friends from I Love You Man. Say hey Chris. Hello. And say hey Nathan. Hey, how's it going? Now it's my turn. There you go. Hey, this is Nate from I Love You Man <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we've done this. Again. We've done this once before, where we where we teamed up with another show and recorded and. uh and so we, we just recorded separate intros and then just started talking as if the show had already been introduced. Yeah. Um, so it'll be probably it'll be fun. so much better. Yeah. I think, uh, I think um, both of our listeners and watchers will uh, understand will with, however, yeah. however the show starts. We were, we, we'll usually do uh, not to give insider secrets or anything, but we usually record the episode and then at the end, Chris and I will do our intro and talk about it a little bit and things. Oh, okay. That we, didn't get to talk about. Okay. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. yeah. We uh, we we try to plan uh, on like, sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, we kind of just uh, we kind of just let the conversation flow, and then you know, so we'll have like a pre-show, right, where we sit there and talk. So what are we going to talk about? If it's just he and I, right? if, we, yeah. if we're bringing guests, and obviously we're, we're going to talk about them, what they're going to do, and their story. But um, if it's just he and I, we'll we'll talk about like like the one what. Um, craziest space we're sitting there like what are we gonna talk about this show i don't know fucking yeah. i'm mad that henry cavill's not superman anymore Damn. yeah we got a <laughs> show <In the> court. <laughs> yeah. An hour and a half later we've talked about 15 other different things um, yeah and it worked out i think yeah but, but yeah. You know, that's kind of the thing it's good conversation right yes sir oh yeah so, that's the best way to do it let, let's uh let's get started um so Go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh, y'all's podcasts and what got y'all uh, started. How'd you meet and you know the fun stuff. All right, okay. deep breath, breathe in. All right, so <laughs> me and Kevin met way back in two thousand two. Uh, I had joined the army in two thousand one, as well as uh, Kevin. Uh, we both joined before two thousand. Um, I'm sorry, September eleventh. So we were in basic training when all that happened. We weren't together when that happened, but, you know, we were in the same area. Yeah, both uh, at Fort Benning uh, for infantry uh, one-station unit training. Word. So from there, um, we were both – our first duty station was Germany. Uh, he got there first. I got oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got there a couple months after in Schweinfurt, Germany, with Bravo Company 126, uh, Big Red 1, uh, Blue Spaders, the greatest – Greatest army unit in the history of all units. If you didn't know, there you go. Yeah, Captain America uh, was a member of the Blue Spaders. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. They, they they put that out in a comic book in like the you know mid two thousands, like mid two thousand nine or something like that. Like it was just put out that he was a part of that twenty uh, sixth infantry regiment. Damn right. Nice. So every day. So from there, we we deployed a few times. We went to Kosovo. We went to uh, Samara, Iraq. Uh, we both got out of the army in 2005. That's the, uh, the super, yep. super quick, super swift version of our whole story. Uh, yeah. In between, you know, from 2000, the summer 2005 until about two years ago, we were both, we were always talking about writing a book. And personally, I can't write for, sh I'm going to, is it okay to cuss? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't write for, <laughs> is it because write, you're illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything crazy. Uh, you are in the army. Yeah, so I can't. Hey, hey, army, army. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I can't write for shit, and I didn't want to uh, make our unit look bad. Make our guys. Plus, there look was bad. a little bit of 
a little bit of laziness involved too on both of our parts because we we had talked about it for like he like he said for like over a decade. Yeah, and it was just like mm, yeah, life yeah. kind of went in two different directions for both of us. I live in Los Angeles or around in California, Southern California. He lives in Arkansas, in Arkansas. So uh, I joined the reserves. He joined the re- well. He joined the reserves. I, re- I joined, he joined the reserves. He joined the reserves. I kind of talked them into it, and we reconnected that way. Uh, I was a police officer. He was a drill sergeant, it, and still is. Right on for him. Oh, wow. Um, oh, in the reserves, really? Yeah. The re- yeah, it's a, it's a good deal. <clears throat> um, I got a buddy who was a, a drill sergeant in the army. He might have crossed paths. Uh, it's a big army. It's a big army. You never know. You actually yeah. do never know, uh, especially because the, the, the drill sergeant community is a pretty small community. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though the reserves has <clears throat> three different divisions um, that have reserve drill sergeants uh, all over the country, and then you have four different uh, active duty bases uh, full of uh, active duty drill sergeants. But you, you you really do never know. I've been, I've been in it since two thousand. I've been I got my hat in two thousand eight. So I've been a drill for going on fifteen years. Not to Champ flame Gibson. you, Nate, but that, that reminded familiar? me of like when somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, I have a cousin in the Army. Do you know them? And his name is Jose. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's always like, hey, do you know John? Yeah. 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 Super common. Which I just did, so I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. no, no sorry, sorry. I don't I feel like drill sergeant is a small community, you know. Like, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it don't is. know much about the army or anything, but I feel like drill sergeant has to be a small community. Yeah. Where where are they stationed at, do you know? No, I couldn't tell you. I yeah. he's not that good of a friend. I went to high school with him, <laughs> you know. He's actually your next door neighbor. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but, so um, um, go ahead. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. No, you're good. So uh, from there, um, we reconnected again. Pandemic hit. I quit the LAPD. He continued with the uh, being a drill sergeant. Pandemic hit, and we reconnected with a Zoom call with a bunch of our friends. And uh, I was kind of like, man, we should do a, we should write a book. And you know, I can't write and I can't do things like that that great. So hey, let's do a podcast until we can get our shit together. And uh, the idea with the podcast is we all have bad memories from everything that we've seen. Their entire fights, combat, you know, everything, you know, big shootings that we got into that I don't recall anything about it. Like Probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the shows we had reminded me or like had to remind me of everything that happened because I just couldn't remember. And uh, not from that show, but the show was called Before I Forget, so that's what we, we went on. Not from the Slipknot song, but it, it just <laughs> works. It just works out like that. Right. And uh, here we are now. We started in, what, October? Of, yeah, October 21. Yeah, and here we are. We're just short of 100 shows, and uh, it's been wow. fun. Yeah. Good job. So You know, I came across y'all's... Facebook page. I don't know if y'all did sponsorship on Facebook. You know, that's kind of what we did. I don't know how I even came across y'all's page, but that I was saw it Mark and immediately Zuckerberg curating it to you, Nate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. I was like, man, this sounds interesting. You know, uh, being so. Chris and I, a little bit about ourselves. We're uh, veterans as well. Um, Nate, more though. so than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 was in the reserves. I was active duty. Hey, um, I signed up active duty, and my dumbass fell in love with a woman. Uh, hey, it happens. Decide. That's how it goes. Man. <laughs> it's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, so we were we were neighbor veterans. Chris and I we didn't serve together, but we went to boot camp together. I couldn't tell you about that. I don't remember much of that either. But um, I think I just posted. I was struggling with mental health. I was real bad at it and uh, almost lost my wife to it and everything. Almost lost myself to it. And I just posted on a Facebook. It was like, hey, I have an idea for a podcast. I just started therapy, just started taking medications for it, and I was starting to feel better. And I was like, wow, like I can get better. I think, you know, I would like to help other people get better too. So I posted online. I was like, hey, I'm starting a mental health podcast. Who wants to join it? Chris was the only person who responded. So I told Chris, I was like, hey, you're my co-host now. We're doing this together. I was <laughs> like, what the, the fuck, choice. bro? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Instead of just name. being like, let's be on it. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, we're doing this together. You know, we're in it for the long haul. And we've been uh, talking about you know, doing it ever since. And it's you been, got uh, jumped into the show, man. You got jumped in. I would have been like, hey, Kevin, hey, call me up. Hey, we're going to have just a conversation on the phone. Don't worry about the, what the topic is. But we, yeah. I might record it. Don't worry about it, though. We might yeah. make it a show. But, you know, here you go, Kevin. Just throw it right in the fire. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool of you, yeah, uh, Chris. For, yeah, I was going to say it's cool of you, Chris, for uh, going along with that because that's uh, it's a big deal to open up to the the planet, you know, on this podcast. Uh, platform. Oh, yeah. So yeah, right it's on. crazy. Whoa. We have, uh, I think we have officially 27 episodes released and over 3,000, a little over 3,000 downloads. Okay. Um, it's like that's insane to me right you know, in a it? short period especially <laughs> since we had that little break you know i can only imagine what it's going to be like when we start you know bringing it back and everything which by the time this uh airs we'll have three episodes back mm-hmm. um but it, it, it's it's wild to me i mean it was just we had so many guests on that just I would have never known about and it's pretty cool. Yeah. And we've had people reach out to us saying, Hey man, your podcast has really helped me, you know, not feel so yeah. alone and everything. That's a pretty remarkable feeling. And I think that pressure got to me, you know, it's like, Oh my God, like I'm not, I'm not yeah. ready for this. You know, it was, it was insane. So that was so, kind of part of our thing is that, um, so originally we were going to do, we did our first season, which was 26 episodes um, in honor of our regiment that we went to Iraq with. And so we, we recorded with a bunch of guys that we had deployed with. And then from there, like we were, we were getting messages from people being like, we didn't know that we could even talk about this stuff. We didn't know yeah. that we could it, it explore these feelings publicly. And, you know, we were getting similar messages where people were like, Hey man, this is really helping me. Uh, Tyree's sister even um, was walking through a VA hospital uh, somewhere in Southern California mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. overheard our podcast being played to some with some of the patients and they were using it That's as like yeah, yeah they, they used like a, a an additional media medium that these people were using to kind of like navigate through things like PTSD and stuff like that and um, so the show kind of morphed from hey let's 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 get our memories um, uh, documented digitally to how can we help right mm-hmm. and so a lot of uh, pretty much a lot of our, our guests um, following that are people that were like who, who had served, did some stuff, and then um, at least we're, we're you know, and we get to talking about their, their their successes after the military. They've transitioned out, and and they they struggled with with that transition, and then they 
you know, started to climb that mountain and became successful in, in their own right outside of the military. Um, so that's, that's kind of been, that's kind of what, how our show was kind of more from what it was to what it is. Uh, and it's been super great. Like those messages that you're talking about, like that's. Oh, that's like, what gets you through it. Yeah. yeah. That's and that's what started us back up again. We had a guy message us like, Hey, I was just wondering what's going on. You know, I really found your stuff, you know, helpful and everything. Cause like I said, I was on, I was on the fence about it. You know, I told Chris, I was like, I just had a baby you know, and everything. I'm just getting my life figured out now. I'm starting, you know, a little side hustle and everything. I'm like, yeah, take it off. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's getting warm. Uh, I just started a little side hustle and everything. And I told Chris, I was like, man, I really don't want to get overwhelmed with this again. But I saw that message and I was like, okay, it's time. We're, mm-hmm. we're coming back. Yeah. You know, and, well, yeah. and the moment I pressed record when me and Chris recorded, it was like the magic was brought back again. And I plan on coming back bigger and better than we ever were. You know, like it was just, I, I love it. You know, it's, it's amazing. Isn't it a good feeling when you, uh, you got you. You had the first initial idea for this whole thing, and you know people are hitting you up like, "Oh man, your show! I need to hear more of it." Yeah. And you see these downloads, and you see these you know, the more episodes that you're putting out. You're like getting pumped about that kind of stuff. It's a good feeling, and to get the feedback from the people who listen is so fucking cool. You know, um, especially I can't from family members like. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, this is the coolest thing. It's crazy for me because um, I don't tell, I don't know if you can tell from my fast talking, but I come up with ideas all the time. I mean, are you ADD? I, yeah, I have ADHD like a wildfire. I mean, I just yeah. have ideas flowing. And uh, this was one of those where it's like, oh, I have this idea. And then it just took off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. You know? Things are supposed so, to happen. Things happen for a reason, man. You gotta you yeah. you make the ripple in the pool. You know you 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 started it. So you you might yeah, have started wife, a show for somebody else her. somewhere. I love my wife, uh, you know, but because I have all these ideas, she's not the most supportive. But like the podcast, she's the one where she's like, "You got it. You got to keep doing it." Yeah. So that's a pretty yeah. good feeling too. That's what a partner's for. They talk they talk you down from stupid shit, and they build you up for other stuff. Yeah. 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 No, Tyree, we, Tyree and I do that with each other too. Like I'll have an idea and be like, mm, mm, nah, not right now. That's um, yeah. BS. 98% of Kevin's <laughs> idea. Well, like 83.7% of Kevin's ideas. We go very, on, you know, very, very nah, you know, there, there's, been a, there's been a couple of things I threw out and you're like, that's, that's not a good idea. Yeah, uh, been a couple did you help each other with the transition out of the military? So, I mean, we were, we were in two different places. Um, I mean, yeah. we stayed in contact. So when he says like we, 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 uh, relinked up or whatever, like we, it's not like we were out of contact. Um, Tyree's actually one of the few dudes that like, since we left active duty in May of 05, um, uh, we've been in pretty much constant contact, um, over this whole time. Like I would always go out to LA and visit him. He's been out here to Arkansas to visit me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always been kind of a thing, but this doing this podcast though, like it's, it's. I mean, we talk damn near every day as of now. Like before it wasn't, you know, it was like maybe a few weeks would go by or a couple of months or whatever. But um, but now, yeah, we're pretty much in contact every day, talking about new, new guests, new shows, new ideas. Uh, how can we scale it? How can we reach more people? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, we have a lot of plans. Um, Tyree some, sometimes has uh, um, high ideas. And, um, and uh, 
And uh, and sometimes it's, we forget them sometimes. Like yeah. I always remember, like whenever we have our little, we have powwows, right? We'll talk on the phone and we're like, we'll, we'll just like idea after idea after idea. And we're like, I'll mean to like take notes and write them down. Like, fuck, man, like yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason, don't do it. Because I'm usually driving when we, when we have these conversations. I'm not trying to be on my phone. But, and I'm probably yeah. a little stoned. When I'm yeah, the but I will say though, um, <laughs> to to, uh, to, to uh, with with in regards to your your wife Nathan um, saying that like that she wants you to push through with this. One thing that I found so we he and I both um, struggled and currently still uh, deal with uh, you know different facets of PTSD, right? And um, one of the things that I realized helped me is when I first became a drill sergeant. I, I was, you know, I was on the trail in 2009, so I was training troops. Average uh, deployment time for some of these dudes was two months after completion of training. And so, like, I took that shit to heart. I was like, the only combat training they're going to get, the only knowledge they're going to get on the subject, the only experience they're going to really, truly get before they are off to Afghanistan or in Iraq um, is going to come from the drill sergeants. And I, I took that shit personal. I was like, these guys are going to get every single thing that I have in here and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in front of them to show them the realities of what they're about to experience. And um, I didn't really talk about it a ton before that. That forced my forced me to do it. And um, I saw um, some. It was de- there was some turbulence along the way, but I definitely saw some like um, improvements. Um, so like being able. So what your your wife saying like, hey, you, this is something you need to push through. This is something you need to continue to do. You know that's that's forcing you to talk about things and, you know, to help other people, I mean, ultimately helps us as well. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I definitely feel like I've become a better person through the podcast or therapy and, you know, medication, uh, self-medication and, you know, normal medication. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, was it hard for, at sure. all for you to like, um, <clears throat> start a job after you got out where you had to have a firearm every day. Oh man. Um, at first it wasn't, but as I got more grumpy and a matured veteran in the police community at the time, I was like, man, I don't want to keep carrying this gun for, for this reason. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking weapons at all. Like they are great. Like I'm not here to take them away from anybody or anything like that but i've been carrying them for a long time man every job that i've had since i was before i you know i've worked at target i was a card attendant and and that was the only job i haven't had me too brother me too hey man that was the only job that i didn't have to where i wasn't carrying a gun you know so uh that was one of the one of the things where i was kind of like man it sucks but it was it was uh it was easy for me to get into the working community after the military from after active duty. It was, well, no, I can't say it was easy. I felt the, uh, I went out for, uh, the CHP first and I failed that test by like a point or two, which was heartbreaking to me. Cause I was so set on being a CHP. I don't know why. And that's it. CHP. California yeah. Highway Kawa, Patrol uh, yeah. Chip? Yeah. Okay. Chippy. Oops. Yeah, so like the next day I went and took the LAPD test and I fucking knocked it out of the park because it was an essay and I can write shit great. So uh, I don't. But not a book. Yeah, not a book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the time. Full of contradictions. Yeah, I'm all kind (laughs) of fucked up. But anyway, uh, uh, that was easy for me to get into. People, you know, the academy was a fucking breeze. You know, there were some parts that that weren't made like like the military, isn't it? Yeah, there were some parts where I. Literally laughing at 
the things that are going on while everyone else is losing their shit. It's not because it's just an easy thing. It's just because I've been through so much worse, you know? Oh, yeah. That this whole, these people screaming at me, screaming at me, whoa, is not a big deal. <laughs> when we get out yeah. to the street, it's going to be so much more worse, you know? It, it's, you don't really think about this before you're an actual police officer, and a lot of people don't. Like, yeah, they got kick ass. Um, go ahead. How does the academy work? Do you go home every day yeah. at the end? or is, Yeah, yeah. Oh, for, for LAPD, you go home every day. Uh, it's a six-month academy. Uh, other academies, you stay there. Uh, but for us, you, you go home every day. So you're up in the morning, you know, five in the morning to get there by 6.30 to stand on a black line and get screamed at by somebody. It's just like basic training. You get tests and there's... PE or except PE. you get to drive there. True, yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's the probably the coolest part about the whole thing is uh, after so, you pass, you're a you know air quotes professional driver. So that's cool. So um, I have a couple questions. So um, how long were you in? How long were you an officer? And when did you get out? I joined in 2008. And I was done in 2020. Yes, 2020. What was that moment? Incidents. I mean, you you you're in the army for 9/11, and then you you're like an officer for COVID, and you're like, yeah, fuck this. Oh no, it's a different. I'm, I'm it, it's it's a little bit different <laughs> for me with with my story with the police. It's it's quite different. It's it's not the to a point of. Uh, the COVID thing pissed me off and I quit. I had actually was suspended from the police uh, just before COVID oh. really started. Because you shoot an unarmed black guy? No, no. I'll explain my. This is my 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 problem and my pain is my uh, anger and I, my snap judgment to things. And I'll explain it. I explain it on our show, so I explain it here. <clears throat> uh, one day I was working on the desk. Uh, I had a series of really shitty things happen to me. In my opinion, my father had passed away. Um, I had some heart issues. I was having kidney issues. I was super sick on the desk. And um, this guy came in and he came in like a few days in a row. And he's keep asking for this fucking report that I couldn't give him. You know, people ask for things that you just can't like a coworker. No, it was a no, it was a, a, a citizen came to the front desk. And he's asking for a report for something that happened in a different state. And I'm like, man, I can't help you. You know, I explained this three days in a row now. Here we are still explaining this. And, you know, at the time I, I started to sweat. I'm the only person at this desk. This guy's screaming at me and I'm trying to hold it together. And then out of nowhere, uh, trigger uh, language warning. He's like, you know what? You're a faggot. And are you fucking kidding me? There's a bunch of people in the lobby. And I paused, I looked around in the lobby, and I said, in my head, he can't use that kind of lobby language here. I put my pencil down. I walked around the desk. I turned on my camera. I told him to get the fuck out of my station. And as I was walking up, he flinched to the point that I thought he was putting his fists up. And I'm fast, and I'm ready. So as soon as I saw those fists come up, I fucking popped them one time in the side of the head, right hook. I grabbed them by the waist. <laughs> I took them by the, I fucking suplexed them into the ground and Damn. busted the side of his head. And before I could put him in handcuffs, he was saying, this officer assaulted me. 
And in my head, I'm saying, this guy put his fists up. He's ready to fight. I was defending myself. But in my head, really, like, man, I just fucking kicked this dude's ass, and I'm a police officer wearing this. So within an hour, uh, they had took my badge and my gun, and I was sent home. And for the next two years, basically, I sat and waited to see what they were going to do with my career, which is the real fucking kick in the ass and balls, let me tell you. Every day to deal with waiting on, hey, you know, you're going to still have a way to feed your family and have insurance and all that stuff. Or, hey, your whole career is over. You can never work as a police officer ever again. So one day I was like, fuck it. I quit. I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. And here we are. Before yeah. I forget. I feel like that's a, a lot different reaction than what the public would assume that the police yeah. would have towards your incident. Oh, man. It was... They handled it in the best way I think they could have because they said to protect their own asses. Yeah. You know, what the was supervisor... your uh, mental state through oh, that oh, two-year period? Fuck. Trashed. It was the worst. Like, I wasn't suicidal, but man, I think I could have been close to it a few times. Just waiting. Were you Every in time t- this contact fucking... with Kevin during this period? Was he helping out in- at all? Kevin, did you know his mental so, state or anything? Yeah, no. So Tyree is uh, is definitely. I mean, I, I, th- I think we all are. So it's not. I'm not like putting like I'm not saying it's bad about him, but like we, um, you know, we we have a way of of sticking to ourselves and wanting to fight through our own problems, um, and that's yeah. kind of how Tyree's always been. That's kind of how I've, I've always been. Um, so I didn't know about a lot of the stuff when it, when it went down. I didn't know about it until um, shortly after he uh, submitted his resignation, yeah. which is fine. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's that's his that's his to tell whoever he wants to tell. Um, but you know, it, it, that doesn't mean that like because you know if you're if you're going through some shit right and you're struggle bussing, right? You know, you call one of your homies up and to have a conversation. Maybe the conversation goes to what's bothering you. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. conversation, right? But maybe just that conversation is what you needed to kind of clear your headspace, uh, oh, because you, you know you guys know, right? When you when you start to fucking spiral, right? When you get into that 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 headspace and you get into a bad spot, sometimes all it takes is just a conversation about anything else. Um, yeah, anything, anything. Yeah. Get, get so, your like, mind off it. So, I mean, yeah, so, like, Tyree wasn't necessarily hitting me up and be like, hey, man, so this is what happened the other day when I was working the desk, but it's not to say that we weren't having conversations that may have been a benefit to him um, in some other way. Uh, I, I do the same thing, though, man. Like, when I, whenever I have my moments, like, I, you know. I think, I'll, I'll, but, I, I think that's just a common tendency as a man. Like, you know, when we're in these negative cycles, the best thing to do, like, you know, if you're spinning out of control, you, you'd want to put your hands out to slow down the rotation. Mm-hmm. But as a man, it seems like we pull closer and the spiral just goes faster and faster. Yeah. We just circle sure. the drain quicker because I don't know what it is, but maybe like you don't feel as accomplished. If you don't pull yourself out on your own, maybe you just don't want to pull other people into your shit because you feel like they don't have time to deal with your problems. Yeah. That's but, what it was but, for me, man. I didn't want to bring anybody else in on my crap. Like, man, this is fucked up. And why would I want to be like, hey, this is my fucked up situation. Here you go. Let me dump this on your lap. I didn't want to do that to anybody. So nobody yeah. really knew about it until really until I talked about it on the show. 
in yeah. some cases. Did you seek out therapy or anything? Did, or was that? Yeah, yeah, man. Therapy is a fucking lifesaver. If you have a, a chance to take do therapy, please do. Because it's fucking gold. How it, long between that period when you started therapy? Oh, like, no. How I was long doing it did during. you go by yourself? I was doing it during. Um, oh, during? Maybe a few months. No, no, no. My wife, she's a therapist. She's a marriage and family therapist. Uh, she talked me into it. And uh, we were doing couples therapy before, and she's like, uh, maybe you should seek your own therapy because I had a lot of issues going on. And um, mm-hmm. sorry, excuse me. No, you're good. <clears throat> I had a cough. So, um, yeah, I was doing therapy for a minute before and to dig a little bit deeper into what was going on while all that other shit was going on, too, was very beneficial. And uh, I'd would, I would always suggest therapy to anybody because, you know, it's just talking. That's all it is in yeah. the end. But it, it really isn't just talking. It's like you're really like questioning yourself and finding those answers to what make, what makes you tick. And, yeah. uh, but not just therapy, like good therapy. Yeah, good Be therapy. honest yeah. when you're talking. Like don't, don't bullshit your therapist. Because all you're because doing you're is fucking with yourself. yourself. Yeah, you're fucking yourself over. So be straight up with that therapist, and uh, you can you can unmask some crazy shit in your life and uh, try to figure that shit out. It's cool. It's in here. I don't know the people if anybody out. can see us, and I'm crying here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here trying hey, to trying to wipe it's, off it's, the tears. It's it's, it's not because I'm sad or anything, but it's it's nice to be able to talk about this shit because normally I wouldn't. You know, it's it's been an emotional night too because the the 49ers barely pulled it out. So. That also, yeah, that too. I'm a big 49er <laughs> fan, so hey, hey. <laughs> but now, ther- therapy has helped me out tremendously too because it's uh, it's made me become a better person as well because of my past, you know, with the military and everything. I I became an asshole, you know, like I was a jerk to my wife. I shut myself down. I became a brick wall and my wife, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. We were sitting on the patio and she told me, she's like, seek help or I'm leaving. So the next day I was like, I got to find help, you know? And, um, it took some time and I've been to my therapist for a little over two years now. And, uh, it's been life changing. You know, she gives me the little pamphlets and everything I'll read. She, she like, I've learned how to validate feelings and look out and, you know, what is it? What am I trying to say? Know what other people are feeling because I used to be real self uh, centered because all I, because I was hurt. You know what I mean? Like I was the one in pain. I was the one, going through all these motions. So I wasn't thinking about anyone else, you know, it you really like helped a me. Dog. Yeah. It really helped me discover, you know, who I was discovering emotions and everything. That's, that's what was pretty great because I had been hurt through the, um, the military and the military really, you know, I didn't go through combat like y'all, you know, the Navy, you don't go through combat. My stuff was a lot more, um, uh, mental uh verbal abuse kind of mm-hmm. um and it was i don't like talking about it to other veterans because it, it really isn't that big of a deal but it was and is to me yeah Kevin's let me gonna say, right i know Hang exactly on, what right kevin's right. gonna say go for it um 
So this is one thing that we talk about all the time. So we've talked to plenty of veterans who have deployed, who have not deployed, uh, females who have gone through sexual trauma, sexual abuse, uh, harassment, getting yelled at by a drill sergeant or whoever the fuck, right? Um, this is one thing that uh, I try to, to, to tell whoever the fuck I can tell. Uh, the human mind doesn't process trauma differently, right? It's not, it's like he and I were in the Wild West when we were in Iraq in 04, right? We did a lot of fighting. We killed a lot of fucking people. We saw a lot of fucking bad shit. Um, so naturally, one might think, yeah, you guys are going to be somewhat fucked in the head, right? Sure. Okay, cool. Talk to another person who, let's say, hypothetically was in the United States Navy um, and was mistreated on various different levels. Uh, levels, And for some reason, you know, like, you, you, someone might look at that and be like, well, that, there's no trauma there, right? Like, you, you, you were yelled at, you were bullied, right? Like, that, that, that's nothing in comparison to what these guys did. So your brain doesn't process trauma. It doesn't process those things differently, right? So what we experience in your mind, in your brain, is no different than waking up in the middle of night and stubbing your big toe, your little toe, on the corner of something, your brain processes it the exact same way, right? So, and it has nothing to do with your capacity to handle trauma. It has everything to do with just how the brain processes it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, the end result is trauma is trauma. Walking around fast. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't matter where the trauma comes from, whether it be a car accident, somebody yelling at you, or spending a year uh, in 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 uh, the fight. A rape. Um, anything, yeah, it doesn't matter. Anything. It's all anything. the same. Yeah. Yeah. So to say that I, in the dead silence there. I, I say that I say that to, to to validate what it is that you feel, right? Because whenever you whenever you make comments like when you, you say like, "Well, I don't like to talk to veterans about what it is that I experienced because they likely experienced something worse than I did." I mean, maybe so to the conscious mind, right? To uh, how we view what is quote unquote bad, but um, on a psychological level. Uh, the way you process trauma, what you experience is, is just as bad because of how you handle it, mm-hmm. right? So that mm-hmm. don't invalidate what you feel because you think somebody else went through worse. I, I was that way for the longest. I refused for the longest to go to the VA to get my VA rating, uh, to get checked up on PTSD, to go talk to a doctor about this or that. I refused because I was like, there are guys in World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, uh, that experience far worse than I will ever be able to experience. And um, so for that reason alone, I'm not worthy. Oh yeah, dude. Going to the VA is like <laughs> so embarrassing for me. Cause like I'm baby face and everything. And then like all these, you know, Vietnam veterans and everything. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I don't belong here. You got to you know, do what like... Chris is doing, man. Grow that beard out. <laughs> dude, this is, that- this is too much. Getting better with the VA, like, so how are they now when it comes to getting mental, mental help compared to where they were? I've had nothing but good experiences with the VA. Let me, I'm just going to be flat out about that. So I go to the one here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and um, I've had great experiences. Now I will say, over COVID, um, they only got better, right? Because now they have the apps that you can dial in on your phone, so you can log into your VA.gov. Um, uh, your va.gov profile and you can see your appointments you can speak directly to your uh primary care team you can message them and be like hey doc i think i have this weird rash on my butt and they'll be like send pics i'm like oh shit i get to send pics of my ass to somebody you know what i'm saying it's like, yeah. Yeah. like it's a thing it's 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 flat out a thing and they'll tell you hey the, the greatest thing that they did was the pact act 
I mean, because I have a civilian therapist, you know, and right. yeah. that's the great because I before my therapist, uh, quote unquote therapist, was through the VA, and it was just psych psychologists. You know, they're just like, here's we're gonna pump you full of meds because we don't want to really hear about your problems. Yeah. And I was like, I went through three doctors and three different medications, and I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I I want to talk. That's all I want to do. I don't want to live on medications my entire life. Yeah. And um, the civilian doctor, she was like, look, I can't prescribe you medicine. I'm going to listen. But, you know, if you feel good on your medicine, then that means it's working. And I'm a little self-destructive because when I start feeling good, I'm like, I don't need this anymore. And then I go back into my habits and, you know, I the just... Roller coaster. Mm-hmm. The roller the coaster. The roller coaster of emotions. Great. It's like, <clears throat> it's a professional talker that doesn't have a vested interest in you. So they're not going to be biased one way or the other. If if you were an asshole to your wife or your boyfriend, they're going to tell you, well, how do you think you handle that situation rather than going to your buddy? who's going to be like, Oh, she was being a bitch. He was being an asshole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will say I had, um, I did go in for a sort of consult, um, probably 2017. I think I can't remember. Um, but I went and I, I talked to this lady and, you know, she was a VA, uh, therapist and, uh, talked to her for about an hour and the end result was, oh, well you don't have PTSD. Um, so you're absolutely fine. It's like, okay, cool. I'm fine. Right. So that's, I'm being told by this medical professional that I'm fine. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, I guess it was before 2017. So I had a couple of, um, instances where I, Definitely planned out my my suicide, and um, and uh, you know when you when you when you think about those things and what it relates to, and you're like, well, why am I doing this? Like, what is going on here? Why why is this? And, and so this you know, I'm being told by this medical professional that I'm fine, but at the same time I have like suicidal ideations, suicidal thoughts, um, and. Uh, that didn't, it didn't jive well with me. So I went back, um, a couple years later, last year, two years ago, I had another consult with a completely different lady and I opened up to her about all the things. And like, like you were saying, Chris, like when you go talk to these people, like don't hold back, like talk to them about whatever the fuck it is. Right. Talk. Um, this lady, uh, was very, um, very excited to help me, um, because she, was personally attached to the story. Her brother had committed suicide. He had PTSD as well and, and had committed suicide. And so she was like, I, 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 the reason I do what I do is because of that. And, um, so there really are good people at the VA that genuinely want to help. Um, but you, it's up to you to be honest. So that first lady told me that I didn't have PTSD because I did what every normal person does. Um, I, I, correction. I did what every person who's in the military has to take a fucking survey on your mental health does and lied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. See, I, I wasn't there for a reason. When, when I got out, I was, um, you know, I went as soon as I got out, I went for a disability. You know, I took the whole TAPS class and everything. And they're like, you know, they, they said, this in uh, taps they were like read the military for everything that they had got you know they messed you up in the head so you go ahead and get it so i was like you know i am messed up in the head i went through this bad experience so i was pretty pretty straightforward with my mental health in, in a way you know i knew right away that i was going to need to i was going to need help 
you know, I, because what had happened to me happened so quick. I hadn't even had time to process it. Um, and I handled it very poorly. Um, but man, it took a long time for me to even just actually listen, uh, to myself about the help because, you know, I would go to these doctors and it's like you said, I would lie, you know, even though I was seeking the help, I would lie. I'd be like, I'm okay. You know, I don't even know why I'm here, you yeah. know, and I would have the medications and I would be like, these medications aren't doing anything. They're making me worse, you know, and I don't need them. So I would stop taking them. You know, it wasn't until I had that conversation with my wife when she was like, you're not okay. Seek help or I'm leaving. And I was like, well, shit, maybe I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that was the best conversation man, I could have had. I mean, you can't, you can't just go in and show them your brain and like, Hey, it's fucked up. Can't you see? Like, it's different. If you go in, you got your fucking leg, you know, your shin hanging out of your leg. Yeah. Like that's easy. But yeah. When it's your head that's fucked up, you have to just, I mean, the medicines you, you take for it, they take longer to take effect. They take longer to be active in your system. It's just persistence, 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 and just knowing that you need help and seeking it and talking to people when you're not feeling right. Man, I walk right another- in when I had to do mine and I explain everything because I'm like, it's no point in coming in here and, and wasting these folks. Time. I'm not saying that y'all were doing that, but I'm like, hey. This is what I'm here for. You know, I drove all this way. Let's sit here and talk. So we fucking, yeah. we talked that shit out and it was fucking, so well, you thought me. your last patient was rough. Here's what happened to me. And I fucking dumped <laughs> on her. And there you go. I, I know for, I know for me, like thinking about it later on, right. Um, <clears throat> part of it was, so one, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm not a brain doctor of any kind. Um, and so I, I, I can know, I know that I don't feel how I should feel. Right. But like, I don't know specifically what it is that I'm feeling or if that's even bad. So in my mind, I was going into this appointment, that initial one that I talked about, um, with this idea of like, I'm just going to say things. Uh, I'm going to lie about what it is that I think is going on in hopes that this person will see straight through it. And call me out on my bullshit. And like, I'm going in there as this puzzle box and I want you to like solve it and then tell me, no, you actually, you, you actually are not healthy mentally. And, um, and, and here's, here's, here's what I, here's some things that you've said to, that support my theory. Here's how we're going to help you. Um, here's your diagnosis. You That's wanted a I good will hunting moment. More or less. Yeah. I wanted somebody to, so yeah, exactly. That, that one scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, and that's not what I got. And so I, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is a medical professional. They're, they're, they're a psychologist. Like they should know their way around people like me who are trying to conceal that kind of truth. Um, and if they're saying that I'm fine, then I must be fucking fine. Uh, and that's just not how that works. So as it turns out, you do have to be honest when you go to these people. (laughs) Um, you do have to talk about things. Yeah. It sucks that you got to open up like that, but that's the only way really. Um, we've all, I mean, me personally, I've tried to deal with stuff on my own. I'm not telling anybody this. I'm just going to try to deal with this on my own and it'll, I'll sit there and drown. Mm-hmm. And I'll come to the point where I'm begging people for help because now I'm like, I can't get out of this because I'm always trying to do things on my own. And I'll never, I don't ever, I never talk to anything, anyone about my issues. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, not to go too far back, but uh, like 
you both joined like right before 9-11, you said. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when that happened? Were you like more excited? Were you like gung-ho for your country? Or were you like, oh, fuck, I thought I was signing up for something a little bit different than this. Oh, man. Uh, so we, we both joined the infantry, right? The the infantry, like, that's our fucking job, right? Like, that's our bread and butter. Like, in garrison, when we're not deployed, like, our job is to go train and, or, you know, sweep. <laughs> sweep and mop, area beautification, right? We did a lot of that. But um, so for, for me personally, like, so I was, I graduated, I turned 19 on September 9th, 9-11 happened. Oh, shit. And then I graduated basic training or infantry OSIT um, September 14th. So, like, I was in my dress uniform, final inspection, like, about to graduate, infantry training complete. And our first sergeant, you know, was like, uh, hey, uh, uh, or one of our drill sergeants was like, I hope you paid attention because you boys are going to war. And at first I was like, because I told my I told my parents, I, originally I wasn't supposed to go active duty infantry. I was going to go reserves and do something else. And uh, I came back from MEPS with that contract, and they were like, what the fuck? And I was like, no, nah, that's cool. We haven't been to war in like 10 years. Totally you did fun. the opposite of what I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Um, uh, I, I, I don't know, Tyree. Were, were you excited? Uh, did y'all was- see nine eleven unfold in boot camp? Like, did they turn on the TV and was like, "Y'all need to check this out"? Yeah, they showed or was, us. Was it word of mouth? No, they no, showed they us did. in a classroom or a big auditorium. And uh, as soon as when I sat down, the second plane hit. So I don't know yeah. where Kevin was at that point. That's where we kind of in our show we kind of ask everyone, "Hey, where were you on nine eleven? So we kind of all. I was in come, second grade. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I might have been in first. Wow. I can't remember. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, just graduated so high school, man. <laughs> yeah. But but hey, it's okay. We're making them look old. We 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 just look like babies. Yeah. So, um, man, the whole thing. I mean, when it when it happened, it it was uh, yeah. I joined the army for the fucking college money and to go to Europe and yeah. you know, sleep with German girls. Yeah. And then. Bigger than shit, these assholes want to fucking fly planes in the buildings. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I didn't sign up for that. And you know, here you are, though. You you're in it. You're you're on that roller coaster. You're strapped in, and it's going to go over that hill. So be ready. You signed up for it, right? So, did you get a unique boot camp because of that? Like, how long did the drill instructor facade fade away? Because there's no way they can be yelling you about how you folded your underwear when that's going on. For that day, maybe a day or two or after, it was a different deal. And then after that, it was right back on because, hey, you, you motherfuckers are going. You know, yeah, going, like, you're going to the shit. So, hey, we can't bullshit on you now. We'd be failing. I, mean, I can tell you. I can tell you, as a drill, like you definitely want to return to those those smaller, those finer details and enforce those things because it's those finer details that will ultimately save your ass in those situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of my drill sergeants, I only had one that that hadn't been to combat. Um, the rest of them had been to uh, Persian Gulf War, Mogadishu, Panama, Grenada, so they were involved in some of the hot shit that had happened through the eighties and nineties. Um, but so I will say, like. When so we we both get to Germany. I got there um, October first, two thousand one, and Tyree gets there like January of two. Yeah, and um, we're in the field when he shows up, and so that's where we meet. Um, I try to convince him to jump into a, a puddle of, of water yeah, uh, in, in the winter in the field, and I'm he, clean, you know, why would I do that? Yeah, he was like, "That's yeah, I was like that's a dumb idea." And I did it, and he didn't. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but shortly after that, we deployed to Kosovo for six and a half months. So like we're like in, in, we're in this mindset that like fuck we're going to war, and then next thing you know, we're going to Kosovo for peacekeeping in the Balkans. I'm like, this is not war. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it ended up being um, a blessing in disguise because a lot of the guys that we went to Kosovo with were still in the unit. We got stop lost, right? We weren't allowed our stop loss, stop movement. So we weren't allowed to PCS or ETS to another duty station. Uh, so we all got tagged to go into Iraq for OAF2 in 2004, February 04. And so all of us had been together um, through a deployment to, the, uh, to uh, Kosovo, 14 months of training and drinking and being belligerent in germany and then now we're gonna go off to war i remember sitting on the bus um leaving our barracks in schweinfurt not scared not nervous but like ready like prepared um and comfortable because i knew that i was going with these guys that like i'd already been through so much with um and i that, that, that there's no way that this can go i mean even if it does end up horribly wrong right if if you know, I end up dying or Tyree or one of my other homies ends up dying. Um, that's the name of the game. Right. And that's, 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 a, that's a lesson on acceptance. Um, because at the end of the day, we signed a contract to join regardless of being, you know, pre nine 11. Um, it was still what we decided to yeah. do as adults. And so we were, you know, a lot of us, we were realistic about, about that and realistic about the expectations about what was to come. Um, so I think the bulk of us though, I don't think there was really many people that were like super, super nervous or, uh, scared. We were more ready to go because as an infantryman, we're one of the few jobs, um, in the military that we'd never actually do our job unless we're deployed. Yeah. So, I mean, we might, we might do force protection. We might work the gate or, or whatever, work the gate at a housing area somewhere in, in Germany, um, or whatever, but like unless we're in combat, like we're not actually doing our job. And this was kind of an opportunity the way I saw it anyway, an opportunity to, to, to prove ourselves, um, worthy of the title of infantryman. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, man, you write about that. Like, uh, when I was in basic, there was a drill sergeant. He wasn't one of ours, but he didn't have a, he didn't have a combat infantry badge. You know, he didn't have his combat patch. And, uh, it was like, man, this guy's teaching us infantry, but, these other guys have actually done infantry like i and, and now thinking about it later like it's kind of fucked up way to think about it but like it, hey man like that guy has been in it like i can maybe alan, trust trust him just a little bit more so, alan iverson would not fucking get along with him right We're talking about practice yeah You're talking about practice yeah like this guy <laughs> he's been in the shit man and i want to get i want to be like that so eventually when you get your combat infantry badge and you're an infantry man or even your eib also your expert infantry badge for that matter uh that you've proven yourself you know you, you're proficient at your job one and two you've done your job yeah and uh, that means a lot to to infantry guys like uh they, yeah, they, they, a lot of guys maybe they may not say it but they they the it means a lot yeah what were you saying chris did you did you ever think about re-upping though <laughs> so, I, um, I have re-enlisted like three times. Yeah, like uh, okay. into the back into the reserves. I got out. I okay, got out reserves. for a couple months and and got back in and got out for a couple months and I was like, eh, no, I like this back. I'm gonna go back in. Eventually, you so, know, when I was done. But yeah, yeah. 
No, and, and so that was part of the reason why I like Ty. So Tyree went into the reserves first. He actually had the uh, the career counselor that put him in is the guy that put me in. I've never even met the guy, so we did it all over email. Um, 2000, 2006 email, so, like, you know, infancy. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but the reason he hit me up with it, because, I mean, I, I was toying with the idea of going back, because so I was I was out for a year, right? An entire year, I had attempted college, I had attempted work, um, failed at everything. Um, you know, in that movie, um, American Sniper, yeah. where... It shows Chris Kyle sitting in his chair and the, you know, from the front, the, the TV, you can hear the, the gun, the war noises on the TV and it, the camera pans around and the TV's off. Mm-hmm. Like that scene, um, like is exactly what I experienced for the, like a lot of 2005 going into 2006. I used to sit in my recliner. I used to be a smoker. I would sit there and I would sit there and smoke my cigarettes and just stare at this fucking blank TV. Um, for hours on end. Um, like that's what I did. If I wasn't asleep, which was, it was hard for me to sleep. I would go days without sleeping nights without sleeping. Um, especially when I tried to go to college, I remember I woke up Tuesday I went to college, I went to classes on Tuesday. And then the next time I slept was about midnight on Thursday. Um, and it wasn't like I was on medication. I wasn't taking things. I wasn't overly caffeinated. Uh, energy drinks weren't a thing at the time. Um, or well, I mean, Red Bull and Rippets were, but you know, I wasn't drinking. I was just, there's, there's just, I had a problem going to sleep. I did have a lot of nightmares at the time. So I think that played a part of it, but, um, you know, <clears throat> so I was like, I'm not, I have not done this transition. Well, the only thing that I know as an adult at this point, I'm like 22, uh, going on 23. And I'm like, the only thing that I know as an adult is combat is the army is the infantry and so i was wanting to go back in and tyree hits me up he's like hey man you ever thought about uh the reserves i'm like you know how it is like on active duty right we we, we yeah. talk shit about the reserve we talk yeah. shit about the guard Nasty uh, like, i don't want to be one of those fucking nerds mm-hmm. and uh, find out about this reserve drill sergeant program and i'm like well that's a little different right if i'm going to find a unit in the reserves or guard that's squared away it's going to be drill sergeants mm-hmm. um so I checked it out, and here I am. All these years later, I've been in the so since '06. I signed my contract, and so I've re- re-enlisted several times too. I'm indefinite now. So is this like your full-time job? You're just a drill instructor? No, 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 no. So it, it's it's my job in the reserves. So my my full-time job, I, I work for the government as well. I'm a, I'm a military technician. I'm actually getting on with the VA. Uh, I believe week after next, I should be starting up there. Oh, good um, for you. Um. But yeah, no, uh, it's just it's just like how it is in the reserves. We have our weekend where we go in and we do things, and then we go off to we we we're assigned to Fort Leonard Wood, so we go up there and we conduct basic training. So, like last year, I did two and a half months. I did a full cycle of, of uh, basic training. Do you oh, still have cool. those uh, uh, PTSD thoughts, or have you been able to overcome them with help and everything, or is, does it still kind of linger? Uh. I mean, for me, I, I, I know, like, there, we definitely have, still have our, our moments, for sure. Um, and that is when one of the benefits of doing this show is, um, and I think Tyree would agree, is, like, we are learning to open up more about stuff. Um, you know, like Tyree was talking about earlier, like, he's, he's, been, he's been awful about reaching out for help because, you know, he's going to do it on his own. And um, I was the same way. Um, but since we've been doing this show, like... Um, 
there's been a lot of times where, you know, like, you know, he's, he's contacted me, uh, or I've contacted him and we've kind of talked things out. Even like I said, like, it's not necessarily even talking about like the thing that's like specifically bothering us, but like just to fucking talk, uh, to have a conversation, to clear our minds. And, um, I know I've done that with him. Um, so it's, it's definitely helped us in that regard, but I do know that like, yeah, like we definitely still have our moments. Like that's one thing about uh, a lot of, a lot of folks don't seem to understand about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is it doesn't necessarily go away. You just mm-hmm. learn to cope with it, right? And now it's this like this 80-pound ruck that you constantly walk around with. And, do you have triggers? Uh, do I have triggers? Um, not not so much anymore. There used to be uh, there's sounds, noises used to be a real bad thing. Um, I like do fireworks. Have, well, that, yeah, that used to be a big thing. Cars backfiring. Um, when a when a semi releases its air brakes, it sounds like an RPG, and um, so that used to get me. Um, so a lot of things like that. But now it's just my biggest thing is hypervigilance. Do you feel yeah. that being able to talk about it openly, and you too, Ty? Do you feel like being able since the podcast talking about it openly and getting some things off your chest that it makes it easier to cope? Kind of like a therapy session in a way. I think, um, it, it definitely makes it a lot easier, especially when I'm talking to people and let me get on mic, it, it, especially when I'm talking to people who have been there, they yeah. like Kevin was there with me. Like me and him mm-hmm. have been yeah. shooting down alleys together. You know, we've been, through you guys some, have fucking trigger shit that happened that yeah. you're triggered together with. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's easier for me to talk to somebody like him uh, eventually from our show talking to other folks opening up about their things I'm like okay well you open up to me I can open up to you about my stuff yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not easy for I a lot of people too, to, like, to share things but you know when you whenever you do you need to appreciate that people are doing that yeah with with Chris like he was he was reserves and I was active duty I did a uh, uh, one and a half or two deployments or whatever and um Um, you know, and and my situation is, uh, pretty, pretty unique in in a way, you know, I wouldn't say a whole lot of people went through the stuff that I went through. Um, so a little bit about mine, uh, I'll talk about me for myself for a minute is, uh, I screwed up some maintenance on a ship and the captain didn't like that very much and he was having a bad day. So he took it out on me. Um, and it pretty much, you know, I had, I went, you know, not to get cocky, but I had kind of a status on the ship. You know, I was great at what I did. I put blood, sweat, and tears into my, into that ship, you know, and, uh, but I was still wanting to get out. I wanted to do my four years and get out. I had this whole career path in my head, but, uh, I screwed up some maintenance and all that was, was a, a little bolt. So on, um, on the ships, we have, a. Uh, watertight doors and uh, there's a little uh like a bolt thing you know that holds the door together and it was rusty um well it was too rusty to the captain so he he sent me to uh to captain's mass you know and it's where like first you see all the chiefs and everything and then they yell at you and stuff and um and then you go see all the uh the officers and then you go see the XO and then you go see the captain and then that's where your real punishment happens. Special Um, chance to get demoted. Yeah. And, uh, so 
all these people, these chiefs and everything that I have spent, you know, numerous hours, two deployments on, and, you know, they knew me, I knew them, were telling me how much of a piece of shit I was, you know, like just saying all these really horrible, really bad stuff, you know, these people that I trusted, um, I mean, that was, that was the first thing. And then it happened again. And then I went to see the officers and they were like, uh, well, how much time does he have left? And they're like, he doesn't have that much time. They're like, well, do you plan on staying in? I was like, no, I wanted to do my four and get out. And like, okay, well, you know, that tells us you're not, you don't really care about the Navy. And uh, I was like, what? That makes no sense. And then, I get up to the uh, CO's office um, and everything, you know, I'm in my dress blues and everything was, uh, you know, I'm up there in front of him. He asked me, he's like, are you married? I was like, yes, I, I'm, I was been married for like two weeks. Um, and I had nine months left in my contract. And uh, they're like, do you plan on reenlisting? I said, no, I didn't plan on reenlisting. Um, and then I had some uh, people that I worked with stand up for me. Like, look, Nathan's never uh, gun necked maintenance before. He's a hard worker, this, 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 and this. And then I had the chief engineer. He, this guy, I've spent numerous watches with him. I mean, I joked with him, laughed with him. I mean, he's told me I was a hard worker. He goes and he says, um, well, sir, if Nathan, you know, gun decked this, there's no telling how much uh, – he's gun deck before like we can't really trust him mm. and like man that hurt worse than anything um yeah. you know uh so the, the ceo didn't um sorry i'm getting kind of anxiety from <laughs> talking about this um uh that hurt you know that like i said i was freshly married they immediately I didn't even have a chance to think immediately. He put me on 60, 60, 60 days of restriction. So I could not leave the ship at all for any reason. Uh, and then 60 uh, days of half months pay as well. Uh, and then they took away my rank and I was an E4. I, I had to take four. So in the Navy, you take tests to rank up. Mm -hmm. I had to take four tests because I, I couldn't meet the quota. I passed all my tests, but I couldn't meet the quota. It wasn't until my fourth test. Um, that I made E4 and I busted my butt to get it um, and he took that away and in the Navy when you're promoted I don't know how it is for an army but when you're promoted you have to wait six months before it even kicks in so I was still technically an E3 so they bumped me down to an E2 and uh, <laughs> that was hard I mean that was insanely hard for me so you know and the CEO, he's like, I'm only doing this. So I would have given it to you harsher if you weren't married. So you could thank your wife, you know, that you're married because I didn't give it to you that hard. And I was like, you took my rank away. And I sent an appeal in to my CEO's boss. And was like, look, I'll admit my fault for everything that I did. Um, but I want my rank back. I was like, I spent way too much time to get my rank back. And I did throw my CEO under the bus because I was like, look, I've seen people get DUIs and all sorts of stuff and just get away scot-free because they said I plan on reenlisting because mm -hmm. I said I wasn't, that's not fair. You know, it's like, that wasn't right. And, uh, well, I fell into a hole, man. I mean, I just, 
it, I was at the point where it's like I don't have no no time left. I don't have you know what what am I even here for? <laughs> so it happened again. Uh, I had someone that I trusted. He was a part of my division, um, and this happens frequently in the Navy. I, w- I was sleeping right before uh, I stood a watch, um, and I was kind of hiding because. I was depressed. I didn't want to be around anyone or anything. And this guy, he took a picture of me and I was like, what the crap, you know? And I didn't think of anything of it. And, uh, he gave it to a new officer that had just joined our division. And this officer didn't like me because he knew I'd already been to captain's mass. So I was already a bad seed. And, um, well, that was it. I mean, the guy, uh, sorry, the guy, uh, he told me, he's like, you're done for Nathan, you know, like you ain't never gonna, he, he, he just said you're done for. Um, and I was pissed. Wasn't paying attention. And I ended up falling and I broke my hand, broke my right hand. Um, and, um, like, I mean, it was just, it was bad. Um, they did the same thing. I was on medical leave because I broke my hand. Um, they said I did it on purpose, which is insane because I would never break my right hand on purpose, you know. And uh, you got to jerk off. <laughs> yep. Well, I was stupid. It was like, come on, if I was going to break anything, it'd be my foot or my left hand. I was like, I wouldn't break my right hand. Yeah. And Unless uh, I have a couple uh, months the left. Same, the you same got a couple months happened. left here. Why would I go fucking injuring myself? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the same thing happened. I went through the COs, same chiefs. I mean, they just said even worse things to me. I mean, especially like my master chief in my division, he just, I mean, he just went hard on me and like it, it, it broke me inside. And uh, this all happened in the same day. I went up to the XO's office, and the XO, he was a new XO. He'd been our XO for a couple of weeks, and he was like, I heard about you. I've heard about you, you know, what you did in your record. You know, you're not a very good sailor. And he was like, are you proud to be in the Navy? And I just, I was like, no, not anymore. I'm not, you know, not after everything that happened to me. Why, why would I be? You know, that's, you know, I got nothing to be proud of anymore. He's like, okay, well, we'll put that on your record. And uh, and then I saw the CEO, and uh, he was like, all right, you're done. You're you're, you're done for. You're not allowed. You know, you're not going to be in the Navy anymore. And, uh, I, you know, because I was married, he didn't give me a dishonorable discharge. I got a general under honorable condition. So all I lost was my uh, GI Bill, which I didn't plan on going to college anyways, but still it's um, fucked up give me a break like all the shit that i'm going through here and uh you know all these uh, benefits that i'm supposed to get after all this shit that you guys have put me through and you take it away yeah that gi yeah. bills yeah that, I had, let's convince ourselves to go in yeah i had three months left three months left because i didn't say i had any plans on restricting that's what they chose for me and they knocked my rank down so i went in the navy as an e2 after Three and a half years, I finally got E4. I got out in E1. God damn. So I'll tell you, um, man. Um, it, I, I, yeah. I, so having having been in for as long as I have been, I've been around a lot of military leaders. And that entire story is, is 
completely disgusting because that is the prime example of shitbag leadership, right? These, these are leaders that are not taking care of their people. These are people that are leaders that are not taking into consideration compounded bullshit, right? You know, you, you, you're married, you're doing your job. You know, these are these are guys that did trust you. And now they're saying fucked up things to you, presumably because the captain's mad at you for whatever fucking reason. Mm. It's just it's yeah. just an all around. It's just an all around great example of absolute shit leadership, especially that close to you getting out of the military. That close, like, just let me fucking get out. Like, goddamn. Like, I had put in a request to get out early, and they denied it. And I went to the chaplain. Just because I was, could, though. Yeah, yeah, and I went to the chaplain and was like, hey, you know, I need some serious help. I'm in a pretty dark place right now. And if I do not get help, I will kill myself or others because I'm not paying attention anymore because I can't think straight. And he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, that's part of life. It's time to man up. And at that moment, I shut myself down and I was like, okay. And I never talked to, you know, about my emotions again until, you know, five years later. Dude, this no. is a great example of how certain, certain, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the entire United States military, um, but how mental health in the military is not taken as seriously as it should be. I mean, that's across the board. That's all branches, and that's to this day. That's one of my biggest fucking complaints about it. Like, I mean, I've been in for almost 22 years, and it's one of my biggest complaints um, is that mental health is just not taken uh, serious, uh, not as serious as it should be. I mean. We have classes on um, sexual harassment and abuse, um, and uh, it's PowerPoints, right? Oh, well, uh, we're gonna, the PowerPoints from the last couple of years, they're not working anymore, so we're going we're gonna to redo them and because our, you know, our, our, our sharp numbers, that's what we call sharp, our sharp numbers are through the roof. Well, we've got to do something. Well, let's put out a new PowerPoint. That's not the fix, right? Um, when it comes to equal opportunity stuff, you know, racism and all that bullshit in the fucking in, in the ranks. Uh, well, yeah. it's still on the rise, so we're going to come out with a new thing or um, uh, uh, soldier suicide, right? Trying to prevent uh, 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 suicide. So, and I, I've talked about this in a previous episode, but like that twenty-two a day, <clears throat> veterans, whatever that that number is like skewed, right? You know, it's wrong. It's it's closer to forty. It's almost double that. Yeah. Um, a, a day, right? And where does that start? It starts in the military. It starts while a soldier, a sailor, an airman, or a marine, or a coast guard, a coastie, or a space cadet are currently serving, right? Mm. That's where it fucking starts. You have to have leaders in the ranks that give a fuck. If you don't have that, then one, like the workflow, the the climate of the unit is just going to be trash. But then you're going to have these people that whenever they leave the military, they're going to leave with the, with that in mind that like nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. If nobody if nobody there gave a fuck where they're supposed to give a fuck, I trust these people with my life, my well-being, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to care and they don't. Well, who the fuck does? So what's the point in living? It did a number on me and it still does to this day. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like I, it it's affecting me in my work mentality. So I have became I've become a perfectionist in my work. It's like I will not mess up. Everything I do will be perfect. And mm. then if I mess up and I get, you know, even if someone comes and like, hey Nathan, you messed up, it eats me for the day. And I start looking for another job. I'm like, I can't do this. You know, I'm gonna get fired. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. That PTSD you know? has you yeah, in and, a position that hey you can't fail. 
the, and it sucks because mm. no one understands. You know, my wife, I'll tell her, I'll be like, look, I have anxiety, and that's part of my things. And my wife, you know, I love her to death, but she'll go be like, that shouldn't matter. You know, like that was that happened that long ago. And, you know, you, sh- you should be past it, you know. And I'm like, that. it just doesn't happen. And recently I had an incident, Chris knows, with my mother-in-law. <laughs> and it brought everything back up. I mean, just, I mean, it was a huge, huge thing. Like, it was, it was. I don't have it, bad. but it seems like PTSD almost works like deja vu. Like, mm-hmm. if you find yourself in a similar situation that reminds you of this event, it doesn't matter how long ago it is. Guess what? It's fucking happening. You're you're mm. in that moment now. Yeah. So you what I wanted to know, I got I got to ask. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say this one thing. Um, uh, you say you don't have PTSD. You don't have P- PTSD as it relates to the military. But if you've ever been to a car crash or been into a fight or argued with somebody or somebody you really really liked decided they didn't like you anymore and it it, was, it, it went wrong for you in some in some way that can for, that can form some type of PTSD in your mind so that you avoid certain situations mm-hmm. so it, it, like, that's what I'm saying so your brain pro, uh, processes that trauma exactly the same so you get into a car accident because somebody t-boned you uh, going through a certain intersection one time you go through that intersection or one that looks very similar to it or even kind of near it like it you're going to be a little bit more cautious in how you operate your motor vehicle or how you do this, or how you do that. So that, that's, that's what PTSD is. Sorry. Might even avoid that intersection altogether. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I want to know, um, not what I, what I know, like I'm demanding shit. Uh, the people, now, the, the people in your family, uh, I'm sure that they, they had to have known some of what was going on, but did you ever explain? What, I don't really on? talk about it. The only time I ever talked about it, in public was the first time on this episode. Okay. And I still, I couldn't even talk about it. I just sent the link to my family. And I was like, look, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah. Chris was the first person I opened up to. And then my family responded with like, wow, I didn't know any of that. Cause when I got out of the military, it happened so fast. And like I said, I was so close. I was three months away. So when I called, I was like, Hey, I'm coming home. I mean, it just happened. They were like, bam, you're out. And then the next day I handed on my, uh, my cat card and everything. And they're like, good luck. I still had a broken hand, by the way, like (laughs) I still had a broken hand and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And they're like, figure it out. You know, like it just happened that quick. And uh, my family was like, well, don't you get out in September? I was like, I lied. I was like, well, you know, I pulled a couple strings and I, you know, I was able to get out early, you know, and I was freshly married. Like you (laughs) didn't have no questions. Was just fucking with you because the fact of the matter is if they really felt a way about you, they did. in those captain's mass meetings, they would have fucking given you your early release because Mm -hmm. they would have, wouldn't have wanted you around. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I begged to get out. I wrote like a two page letter and everything. I was like, look, this is why I feel like I should not be in the military anymore. And uh, yeah, I got denied by everyone. And uh, anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, me and my wife, we were freshly married and everything. And uh, you know, God love her. She just was like, okay, let's go. Whatever we're gonna do. And we ended up moving uh in with my mom. And that was a crazy thing. But, like, as soon as I got back home, my entire family knew that I was complete. You know, I was not the same person. That was a hard struggle, adjusting into civilian world. 
Yeah. Because especially my first job out of the Navy, I worked at a laundromat and I was like, man, I just got to get this down. This is super easy and everything. And then, um, when it got hard, I quit it. You know, when they, I felt like they started seeing the real me and I'm like, Oh man, I can't have this, you know? So I quit. And I just, I repeated that cycle. I've never had outside of the Navy, a job longer than a year and a half. And it's been pretty terrifying to say the least, especially for my wife, because she has no idea what my next move is. That's no what jobs. I was going to ask. And, I was going to ask about that. Like, what is your relationship with the wife? I don't, I don't know if I'm getting too, too diggy into people's I'm shit an here. open book. Uh, like I wanted to know, and here I am demanding, I got to know, uh, your relationship with your wife. This is a lot of stuff to deal with. Um, my, me personally, my wife, with, with you know, I'm getting hot. Like with my stuff, uh, my wife. Like I said, she's a therapist, so uh, she understood some of the things I was going through, and some of the things she did not. It was like fights, screaming at each other, trying to figure out what's wrong with me, and I'm like, I have no idea what's wrong with me. But oh, at least I was talking before yeah. because I've had uh, issues at a job, and she's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I have no idea what's wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I I get her point of view. It can be scary. But, like, I'd rather quit and find another job before I'm fired. You know, and I've told her, I was like, and there was an instance where I was having trouble with this job. So I started looking for another one. Even had a job interview and everything. I was like, but if I get fired from this job, especially because I like it and I'm proud of it, like I was in the Navy, I was like, this job may break me. And I don't know how I'm going to handle that. And she was like, well, you can't let your past, you know, define you and everything. And I'm like, well, I kind of can because, like, I went through some stuff. And so now she's being the strong one. She's going to school, trying to get her degree. And so she can have a steady job, you know. And she knows because of my mental health struggles that if she has a steady job, I could just get something part-time and kind of focus on myself. Like I said, I started a side uh, business that I'm very happy and proud of uh, and focus on podcasts and you know things that won't stress me out as much and uh, that's what me and her mother-in-law got into is because you know she that's that's a hard thing to understand you know I'm the man and it, when you're um, you know from traditionist values the man is supposed to be the provider the man is the breadwinner holds a house strong and especially with my mental issues and trying yeah. to figure it all out. Right. And the know, man that's... is supposed to be quiet and deal with all that shit to himself. And, yeah. and, and yeah. the man is just supposed to bring in that money and shut the fuck up and, yeah. and, 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 and swallow all that stuff. And this is what I, happens. Man up. I've cried yeah. more as a teenager or I've cried more as a father oh, yeah. than I have as a teenager. And it's because I give myself those moments like, I don't want my sons to think that it's unacceptable to break down or to not have that emotion because mm-hmm. it's natural. You need to have those moments of levity. I mean, something about crying is just like releasing a pressure valve. You're right. Even man. if it's not solving anything, mm-hmm. it's relieving a pressure that was there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say, uh, Nathan, to. Um, Something else, because I, I had a similar thing, right? <clears throat> Part of my identity for the longest was veteran, infantry, soldier, army, right? 
as a reservist, right? Like that, it was it was a quarter of my life at best, right? But I I made that a part of my identity. I did, and um, I had a moment in 2019. Uh, I was just not happy with certain things in the military, kind of in a bad spot mentally. Um, and I just I, I I just got out of a, a school for the army. I went to uh, our supply school, logistics and shit. And I took a last minute trip. Um, I went camping with my dogs in the back of my Jeep Cherokee. And we went camping in Colorado and Utah. We went all the way out to Moab. And uh, and my in my mind, it was, it was, I need to go figure out who the fuck I am. And that's what this was, right? My best friend asked me, she's like, so why did you even go out there in the first place? What was that all about? Because it was so random, so just spur of the moment. And I'm typically not like that right and i told her it was like uh um, i went to the desert to die and i kind of meant that in two different ways either i was going to discover that there was nothing more to me than what i had already previously established and therefore there was no point in me existing anymore or this current version of myself was um a chapter closed in my my book of life and there were other facets to me. There were other things that made me, me. And those were the things that I needed to focus on. And so I go out to the desert and I have this like coming to Jesus, like moment, you know, this epiphany or whatever you want to call it. And I get really into photography. I'm out there like taking pictures of the night sky and I'm like taking pictures of the fucking red rocks and, you know, just the desert and, trying to get all these sunsets and sunrises, just taking in this fucking the beauty of all this vastness, right? Just this world around me, like I've never experienced before. I'm just, just in, in, enveloped by it. And, um, I was so floored. I was so blown away. And it was in that moment that I'd realized that like, I'm so much more than just somebody who was in the army. I'm so much more than a soldier. Yep. That's a part of me. That's a slice, but that's not who I am. Um, who I am is whatever the fuck I want to be. Right. Mm, yep. If I want to be a photographer, if I want to be a fucking podcast show host, if I want to be a fucking a Chip and Dale's fucking dancer, <laughs> then I'll fucking do it. Then I'll, that's what I want to be. So you talk about you're doing a side hustle right now that you're very happy with, um, and you have your interests, right? Um, just based on what I can see, you're the nerd type with Mario on the wall, Marvel on your shirt, and I'm 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 down for it, man. I'm I'm here for that, right? <laughs> um, I think we're all nerds in some fucking way, and that's that shit. Like that's the shit that I'm talking about. Like you have to find these things that that actually make up who you are. So where your wife says you can't let that define you, she's right and she's wrong. It's going to define us because it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's an important event that happened in our life. It happened. It happened, and there's no way around that. You we we can't time travel yet. Wormholes aren't a thing. We can't. Well, they are a thing, but we can't figure out how to open one and go back in time to reset things, right? And then we're fucking up the time anyway, so, like, is that even worth it? So it's a whole big thing there, <laughs> right? But, like, um, but it's something that has happened, right? And we can't control that. But what we can do is learn to move away from it, right? So that does that's not me. That's not my life. It doesn't define me. That one sliver in time um, is not who I am. Right. Even for me, I've been in the army for going on 22 years. That's a sliver in time to me. It means it means I am a soldier. Um, I'm a veteran. I'm an infantryman. Um, and eventually I'll be a retiree coming later this year. But that's it. There's these other things about me that are so much more important to me 
that make up me. And it's the same with you, man. There's so much more things that are, there, there's so many more things that are more important to you. You're a husband, yeah. right? You have a, a yeah. great fucking wife who's, who's like, who's sticking by that whole, uh, through thick and thin. Yeah. That's rare yeah. to find these days. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So, she could have upped and left at any, any moment, yeah. you know, and she's, she's stayed with me through everything, you know, yeah. it's been, Amazing, and you know your spouse defines you more than than a job. A job is just a way you make money. I think one of the biggest traps we fall into as a society is introduction. Hey, my profession is mm-hmm. your fucking right. profession does not matter. Yeah. It's yeah. just how you make money. Sometimes you like your job, sometimes you don't. Most people fucking hate it. Yeah. But why would you define yourself by something that you don't really like? Yeah. And- and, and I have a buddy, he, he, he talks like that. He's like, um, you know, I interviewed for his company. He's like, dude, you could work here and make so much money. It's like, well, I'd be away from home and I don't want to do that because I would live like that. It's two, it's like, you know, yeah, I probably don't make that much money, but I enjoy what I do and that's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I have a perfect home life balance. I like the people that I work with, but I also, you know, I grew I grew up around um, oil field. That was my entire life, and I swore to myself I will never, ever, ever work in the oil field. Never going to be a dare hand. <laughs> yeah, and um, or anything we're involving oil field, and so I want to prove to my kids that you can do anything that you want to do. I didn't have that in my life. It was all about money. It was make money, make money, make money. That's all I ever experienced in my life. I want to prove to my kids. You know, I can do, you can do anything you want to do. So, like, my side hustle, uh, not to self-promote or anything, oh, but I do, 3D, the show. Yeah. <laughs> I do 3D printing. I make, like, toys and stuff and everything like that and That's create bad. things. Um, and I sell at physical stores, and I'm, you know, slowly growing, and it's been a crazy experience. Um, and, like, the podcast, I love the entertainment industry. I've been doing it since I was 16. And when I was on the ship, I did entertainment stuff. I had shipmates that would be like, man, Nathan, I know that when you're going to get out, I'm going to hear your voice on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, I don't let my past find me. Um, even though sometimes it does win, I know that at the end of the day, and it's like you said, so to get a little darker, you know, you said you had suicide stuff. I was in that point, but I wasn't, uh, I, it's what I call assisted suicide. I would be driving down the road and I would just be waiting for a car to hit me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just be like, man, it's like, I really don't want to do it myself. But like, if, if something if just happens, happened, happen. yeah. yeah, like I would be okay with it. You know, I just don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I got tired of living with that. And, you know, um, to put it kindly, drugs helped a lot too. <laughs> um, you know that really helped as you know, well. And I, but, I, I will say, I was going to um, say, how say, do you? I'm sorry, go ahead, Kevin. There's there's a ton of research um, uh, going around, and there's several. There's a couple of states, and I think even Canada, that have opened Jesus up to Christ. the uses of psilocybin um, to combat PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I haven't done those drugs, <laughs> mushrooms. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of great research on it. Um, and I, sounds I, I like we could have a special episode. 
<laughs> yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I, I, it was I think it's like Washington State um, and Colorado. Um, yeah, Colorado well, so, decriminalized mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, ton of great research that suggests that, 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 it's that things like e- even small doses of LSD, MDMA, mescaline, uh, psilocybin, all of these things can have benefits in combating um, the, 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 the symptoms or the expressions or the how PTSD presents. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I am in the army. I don't do these things. I'm just I'm just I, I read things and I watch things. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, in I, the I army. Colorado, I'm not in the army, and uh, I do do those things. I do smoke marijuana every now and then. You see my screen uh, disappear. That's because I don't want to smoke <laughs> yeah. on camera anymore. I've been trying to uh, cut that, and I've been trying to limit that because I'm trying to be more professional. But hey, so you're see, that's that's better your than fix me. Is the, your fix is to turn the camera off. Yeah, that's that's hey, there you go. But everyone who's listening knows. Hey, but the thing is, you have to be able to control your yeah. shit while yeah. you're you know uh if you decide to smoke marijuana cannabis my bad if you smoke cannabis then smoke it if it makes you feel better great cool but you still have to be able to try to function you can't let that yeah exactly you can't let that take over your life and i think no, i'm not saying uh, this works for everyone but yeah. i found the best version of myself smoking cannabis mm-hmm. i lived in colorado for two years you know and uh, the dispensaries were amazing because I could go in there and be like, look, I have anxiety. I want my brain to shut up, but I want my body to keep moving. Yeah. And I was able to find the right stuff. You know, everyone's like, uh, not to sound cliche, they're like, oh, I get anxiety when I smoke. Well, you haven't had the right stuff. You know, there's mm-hmm. hundreds of different strains. You know, you haven't had the right stuff. I, I, I would not be here without three things. Or for uh, my wife, my kids, and THC. <laughs> that was like, what was the fourth one? That's three. <laughs> he had too much. The, the third one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the three of those combined made him forget the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so I will say, so like, uh, I'm a, I'm a big uh, advocate for for all things health and fitness, right? Because I do think that. Um, strong mind, strong body, right? You can, and the army has switched to that, that concept as well, like a a holistic, uh, health, uh, and fitness. So H2F and, um, they have switched to this, like, you know, um, healthy mind, healthy body, healthy soul. And that will, that will take you a long way in, 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 in fighting a lot of these demons that, that we deal with. And, um, but when you talk about, uh, cannabis and the uses of it and how you said you talked about going into a dispensary and being like hey listen I want my brain to shut up but I want my body to keep going and we actually Tyree and I did a show with a guy R. Gage Amsler um, ooh, how many, when was that probably about 8 months ago 6 months ago oh, uh, it feels like it was a long time ago but it really was yeah. this guy had a really really cool story um, he was in uh, special operations um, as, a, as a medic and then um, he, was a, he, was, he was medical field on the civilian side up in Michigan and through his practice, he was allowed to grow seven cannabis plants, um, per, uh, client or patient that he, that he had, that he kept, uh, that he retained. And, um, and so he, he took that shit to, to the, to, to research. Uh, he, he started being like, okay, you're dealing with this. 
um, let me let me tinker with this, try this, see how it feels. He took like detailed notes. He was able to like figure out exactly what you're talking about, being like, okay, this is the strain that'll help um, uh, build towards a better mental health state or whatever it was called. The show's called, it's called Cannabis Fool featuring mm-hmm. R. Gage Amsler. It actually came out May 9th of last year. So really good episode. Informative. Yeah, man, he's a, a, a great guy, like, a ton of great stories. Um, I think we, we were able to sample a ton of his uh, things that he said because he just, he's just like, his his explanation of, of, of dealing with PTSD was like by far like the best way to explain it to somebody oh, and yeah. i'm gonna butcher it i'm gonna butcher it but it was something like so there you are sitting in a movie theater right and the movie you're watching is your life right and you're trying to watch this fucking movie but like you got this this asshole back there on the phone laughing at something and then you got this screaming ass kid over there going ape shit and you can't focus on your life the movie because you have all these external factors going on that are getting in the way of it and he's like and cannabis helps to shut those things out and let you focus on what's important, which is your life. Oh, and uh, yeah, no, he tells it way better. Um, that was a, a paraphrased, <laughs> condensed version. Um, but the dude is very passionate about his work. Very. Um, last I heard, he had teamed up with. Uh, do you remember the name of that company in Northern California, Terry? Northern something. Uh, Brothers Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, teamed up with them to uh, just to dispense um, a strain that I think that he had developed um, based on some. Hindu Kush that he found. That's a whole story of his to tell. <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's um, yeah, no, I, I, I fully support the the use of these things. Like you said, though, Chris, in moderation, everything in moderation. Yeah, yeah. I have buddies. They'll they'll like smoke with me, and they'll just be like, they can't even open their eyes. Like, you want some more? And I'm like, <laughs> nah, man, I'm in my spot. I'm good. <laughs> and well, they're like, yeah. man, man, that's like gone. Man, don't stop. So I like drinking, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I like beer just fine. I do not like getting drunk because that's when I lose myself. And that's when I go a complete 180 to my normal super sunshiny self um, rainbows, right? And this is my killing shirt, by the way, um, <laughs> to a fucking emotional wreck. I hate being drunk. I hate even getting to that point because of what happens. And I know that that's something that I need to deal with because there's there is something going on there. Um, but you know, that's a whole thing. Moderation is key. So yes, the big is. question, when you retire, you said you're retiring this year. Do you plan on smoking? Are you going to go visit Ty in California? To be determined. Yeah, he better. He better. <laughs> I'm going well, to be mad for, as fuck if he doesn't come you. to California and I'm not the first person that, uh, he burns one down with because I, I know like, like that. I had a buddy when I joined the Navy. He was, and I was like, "Hey, man, when I get out, you're gonna be." The, my wife smoked when I was in the military, and I was like, "No," I was like, "Marijuana is bad." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," and like I was, I mean, I was had that mindset um, because you know the military. But anyways, when we got out, she's like, "I want to smoke with you." I was like, "No," I told my buddy if I would ever do it, he would be the first one. I did it, and I was just like. This does nothing. I wasn't in the right mindset because it was that force. It's like, try it again, you know, do it again, do it this way. And it was just awful. When me and my wife did it and I did it for real, like that, it was in Colorado too. Um, It was like, bam. Like I had been 
I actually wasn't didn't the first time I really smoked was without her. I was in Colorado job scouting and I was with some buddies and I remember I was like, This is the happiest I've ever felt in my entire life and I wanna feel like this forever. And, and that's when I got hooked. It's it's you can we gotta be careful because uh like uh it, now this it, ain't, it, it's not for everyone. Yeah, you know? oh yeah, exactly. It's not the kind of like feeling like man i just feel marvelous and i, I can fucking fuck yeah. anything and i can go hump a wall or whatever it's nothing like that it's just exactly the, yeah it's just the kind of feeling of calm of yeah, everything yeah. is okay kind of yeah and yeah. just like, that I little no bit worries nothing's going on in my brain yeah. i'm still able to function as a normal human being but i'm happy it's, yeah it's an addictive feeling out, it's an addictive know? feeling and that's what I, my wife asked me, she, you know, like I said, she smokes too. And she was like, are you addicted to it? I was like, no, I'm addicted to feeling good. You so and I, I will say to that though, you, and, and and this is where some, where some people have to be careful. And this is where they get away from moderation is wanting to maintain that perpetual state. Mm-hmm. Of, oh yeah. I, um, and, and, and the, the, the thing with that is, is like, I, I dated someone years ago who, who stayed high, right. To yeah. battle demons yeah. And when she attempted to stop being high all the time, oh man, it got she, bad. <laughs> it got bad. Yeah. Because yeah. she was so used to always feeling good that mm-hmm. it became, you know, it, it was like being drunk and then waking up with a hangover. Um, so that's not to say like, so like using these things is a good way to, to navigate some of these things, but it's also dangerous if you decide to, chew or to use outside of moderation yeah do it well your body can stop producing natural like serotonin chemicals that reward you yeah so like if you're serotonin you can fuck your serotonin to a point where you're not producing it normally but here's the story of moderation for you because me and ty are both degenerate football fans and Mm -hmm. that's why we relate today um so i went to the I think it was the wild card playoff last year where the Bengals were against the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. There was a dude that pregame so hard, he fucking vomited, passed out right in front of the stadium. And then, you know, we see the whole game, first win in 31 years for the Bengals. Come out, same dudes on the fucking sidewalk. Wasted. Missed the whole thing. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, funny. We went to our uh, NFC uh, championship game last year, and you know, unfortunately, it wasn't a cool experience for us because we lost like shit. But, no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, they were drunks there, and it's it's always funny to see those people pregaming a little too tough before. But you know, you live and you learn. I think those some are expensive tickets. Are there for the alcohol and not the game. Yeah, true. The camaraderie, you know, with your see, bo- with your fellow. Football fans. When I was in the Navy, I, I I had it bad. I blacked out every second. The first time I ever drank was I was 21. It was in Portugal, and I blacked out. Was it Sailor Jerry? Uh, that was New York. <laughs> was, it, was it rum of some kind? It was sangria. And oh, okay. well, there you I go. was told I was very fun until we got back to the ship. I have no idea how I got back to the ship. No idea. Just woke up there. But every port we hit, I was like, Sangria! And yeah. that's what that what my catch that's what my catchphrase was. Uh and I, I think we just Jerry found the, the title time in New York. The title for this yep. episode. Sangria. Oh, Sangria to Smith. Sangria. Yeah. 
But yeah, we went to Fleet Week in New York, and I was drunk the entire time. I just the moment we landed, we had this little um, uh, tent, and Sailor Jerry was one of the sponsors. And uh, so they just handed out Sailor Jerry first time I ever had it, and I was drunk from the moment we landed on the pier the whole week. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I even remember it. It was wild, and it messed my liver up because, like I said, I didn't start drinking until I was 21, and then it hit me. I mean, I would just drink, 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 and uh, it messed my liver up for for a good while. Like my yeah, you fucked up. Me, you were supposed to do that little rump rump springo we all do right before we leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. no, good. anyways, enough about drugs and alcohol. I think it's time to wrap this up, man. Because yeah. this is we're the longest. The yeah, we're off the rails when we start talking about drugs and alcohol. Um, <clears throat> I think this was a good episode, though. Over overall, uh, I I appreciate y'all coming on. It's been pretty great. We're going to split this into two parts. I don't know how y'all are going to do it, but remember, uh, for I Love You Man oh, audience. Fuck. Don't, go don't to- forget, man. You know the name of their, <laughs> name of their game. <laughs> go check out their podcast before I forget. Like they said, they have well over 100 episodes, so you'll find something you like. And uh, for your audience, before I forget, audience, whatever you call your fans. We call our fans friends. Our he friends. calls them friends. Yeah, he I don't know. like it. <laughs> but uh, you know, check us out. We're having some cool stuff uh, in the future and everything. And um, we we like our audience members to be a part of the show. Uh, so a, a big key thing for us, um, it started out as I love you, man, a men's mental health podcast because it's hard for men to talk about uh, their feelings and everything. So when we have guests on. Um, if they're not promoting anything, we only use a first name, so it remains anonymous. So anyone can feel free to talk about anything, no holds bar. You know, we don't ask our guests to promote uh, our show or anything to keep that anonymity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what makes our show kind of unique. You know, anyone, and we can use aliases. You know, say Bob comes off the street and he's like, I don't really feel comfortable using my first name. I'm like, cool, now you're Steve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what uh, our show is kind of all about. Yeah. Our show is, uh, you know, our friends talking and hanging out and uh, having a good time and getting it off our chest. Uh, people who listen to our show right now, they hear this music that everyone else can't hear. Uh, they're probably looking at me crazy like I'm uh, an insane person. But we play a certain song at the end of the, the show. And it's playing now, but we're going to talk through it. Um, things like this are important. Uh, talking to your friends, it means a lot. Talking to people, not just keeping things inside because we are not freaking tea kettles. We are not meant for that. Okay. Uh, we have to have that interaction with people. We have to let shit go. Uh, what happened, happened. It's done. You know, it's in the past. You can't take that back. We have to learn how to move forward. And this is moving forward. You know, shows like this, shows like uh, our show, shows like any show that where you sit there and you talk to your friends about stuff. It doesn't have to be anything important. It could be about the fucking weather. It could be about the fucking 49ers winning. You know, it could be about all kind of cool shit. But you're talking to somebody and it can lead to... You know, I, I felt 
I felt like talking about you, uh, talking to you about this because this is how I feel. You know, this is how I feel about this. Our conversations mm-hmm. go in different directions, different branches, you know. And eventually it gets to a point that it gets to, you know, an important, uh, we get to that important crest in the conversation where that's what I needed. Yeah. And hopefully everyone gets to that point when they hear these shows and they start their own shows. Fuck it. Uh, help yeah. somebody else. We say it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. So, like, if you, if you're, you know, in a downward spiral, just look at yourself in the mirror and say, mirror, and say, it's okay that I'm not okay. There's always tomorrow. Yeah. There's always you tomorrow. You know, you'll, you'll, there's always tomorrow. And we want you to see tomorrow and we want you to want to see tomorrow. So, on that note, uh, Ty, Kevin, we have a tradition with our podcast, and that is, we always in the podcast saying, I love you, man. All right. Well, I hey, love you, man. I love you, man. I love you guys. With that, y'all have a good night. All right. And then I have to ship our show out because we're all recording at the same time. Hey, everybody. This is Tyree and Kevin here with Before I Forget, along with my friends from the show I Love You, Man, Chris and Nathan. Thank you guys so much for getting this shit together. So we can have our show and cross pollinate the entire planet with our cool shit. Yeah, right. You like that, right? There you go. There you go. Uh, Thank you. Please like, listen, share, subscribe, watch, and all that cool stuff. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye bye.